Grammarly strives to help people understand one another by offering suggestions to strengthen their writing and say what they really mean. Grammarly's suggestions help identify and replace complicated sentences with more efficient ones, refresh repetitive language, and ensure accurate spelling, punctuation, and grammar. Click the link in this week's episode description to download Grammarly for free to your desktop and start writing better and more efficiently today. Do you feel stuck and unmotivated? Want to create your dream life but don't know where to begin? If you're interested in improving your relationships, communication skills, or feeling more comfortable in your skin, I can help. Together we can determine what's holding you back from living your best life and help to quiet that negative Nancy residing in your head. If you've been interested in working with a coach who is optimistic and authentic and empowers you to be as well, then schedule your free 30-minute chemistry session today by going to empoweredauthenticity.net. Again, that's empoweredauthenticity.net. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Shoba. And I am so excited for today's episode. I just finished editing it. Um, it's Monday right now, January 7th. <laughs> oh my God, it's already February. It's February 7th. <laughs> Yeah, so I just finished editing uh, this week's episode, and oh my gosh, I'm so incredibly, incredibly grateful for this week's guest. Um, but before I get too far into that, uh, I also have some really exciting news. If you have been listening to the podcast for a bit, then you may remember that several months ago, I interviewed Kelly Noel Zeva, and they are a kink and sex educator, and um, they... Are fantastic and they just released their debut novel approach and that is available now for purchase at Barnes & Noble as well as Amazon and I've included the links in this week's uh, podcast episode description so that way you can find those yourself. I am so excited to read this novel. It features a non-binary protagonist and I think it's going to be absolutely stupendous. I have no doubt that it will put uh, Fifty Shades of Grey to shame because it is written by somebody who is in, you know, an expert in kink and um, who understands consent and all those good things. So I'm so excited to read it. I uh, also wanted to let you know uh, to check out my Redbubble account uh, if you want to find some super cool merch and support my work and support the podcast and so I'll include that link in the podcast description as well. If you've been following me for a bit then you know that I am big into body liberation and um, health at every size and deconstructing anti-fat bias um, and so I was so 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 incredibly grateful for this week's guest um, agreeing to come on and then I feel like I learned so much from our conversation and it gave me a lot of hope. There are some things in this episode that really break my heart and that this person should not have to deal with. And they are such a beacon of hope. And so I think this episode will help you to question your own 
anti-fat bias and if you are somebody who's living in a larger body I hope that it will help you to feel seen and help you to realize just how much you belong here and I hope that we can stop thinking that we know everybody's story one of the things we talk about is that people will message folks in larger bodies on social media and it will be under the guise of being concerned for their health and I don't think this is necessarily always malicious and it is still very shitty because it's like saying that you're only worthy of respect if you are healthy and that's just not it and as our guest mentions for some people health is not something that they're ever going to be able to achieve and um so yeah i hope that after listening to this interview you will have more empathy and just a greater respect for others and also realize how much shit people in larger bodies get health i'm i mean some of these some of the comments that are received by folks in larger bodies they range from misinformed to just downright fucking cruel and i encourage everybody if you see somebody being cruel to somebody else please help to shut that shit down okay you know we can look at this through the scope of people of color and white folks right so white folks need to be a part of the conversation they need to be shutting down racism when they see it when they recognize it and the same thing needs to be said for anti-fat bias so many people dehumanize folks who are in larger bodies and that's fucking disgusting because they're human they are fucking human and they deserve to be treated with respect. And I don't know, I don't know when we just let the whole idea of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. When did that fucking fly out the window? Just because social media came up and you could have a little bit of anonymity? Like, come on. Come on, don't be a fucking dickhead. Anyways, <laughs> as you can see, I'm really riled up about this topic. But the point being, if you see it, if you see somebody being cruel shut that shit down because it shouldn't oh gosh i you know resilience is a word that i always have conflicting feelings about because there are some things that people just should not have to fucking deal with they shouldn't have to become resilient to it people should just not be assholes but apparently that's really fucking hard for some so it is the responsibility of everybody, whether you are privileged to be straight-sized, or you are in a larger body, or you are in a smaller body, whatever. Whatever the fuck your body looks like, help each other out. Because nobody deserves to be made to feel like shit. Nobody deserves to have animal noises made at them as they are walking down the street. 
Nobody deserves to be made to feel less than what they are, to feel like less of a human because of the body they were born into or because of the skin that they are wrapped in. Just be fucking nice. I don't know why it's so hard for people to just be fucking nice. Oh, gosh. Anyways, all that to say, I'm really grateful for this week's guest because I feel like they they strike the perfect balance of compassion and empathy while still maintaining those really strong boundaries and advocating for themselves and for others. And I commend them so much. They shouldn't have to they shouldn't have to put up with all their shit. So all that to say, be nice. Help other people out. In general, don't be a fucking dickhead. <laughs> and don't make assumptions about people. Okay, so now that I've gone on that tangent, (laughs) uh, I also want to circle back and um, let you all know that, uh, so like I said, I'm recording this on Monday. Tomorrow, February 8th, is the two-year anniversary of my dad dying. So two years ago today was the last time that I saw my dad alive. Oh, fuck. It's hard. And uh, so in this episode, we also talk about grief and how strange it is. And yoga has helped me in a lot of ways. And if you listen to um, the episode with Brenda, then you'll know that yoga was a big part of my journey with my dad. So when he was sick, we would do yoga in bed because he couldn't leave bed really and so we would do wrist circles and ankle circles and and just general things that he could do without having to get up and exert himself too much and the day that he died I I had just come back like 12 hours earlier because I was taking care of him during the week and then I would come back home on the weekends and I was doing yoga when I got the call that he had died and I just remember sobbing the hardest I have ever cried in my entire life not pretty crying you know it's not running out of my nose I just fell to the floor completely. And my first time back to a yoga class after that, once we hit Shavasana, tears just rolled down my face. And it still hits me sometimes. I'll be practicing and I'll turn to look at a picture of him, because I have pictures of him all over my apartment, and I'll start to cry. Or I'll get a wave of sadness. 
So that's another reason why today's guest is so important to me. And it's also a reason why I value my friend so much. Um, Shout out to Kate Roberts, who was my first return guest, and she was actually just on um, last week's episode. And she brought me a whole a whole care basket and wrote me a really nice card. And it's I'm so grateful to have people like that in my life. Really, all my friends are fucking fantastic. You know, I am. I'm extremely independent. I don't like to ask for help. I don't like people to see me vulnerable something that I'm working on (laughs) and I'm just so grateful to have amazing people in my life amazing friends who are there when I need them without me having to ask because a lot of times I won't (laughs) and they're just wonderful wonderful people I feel so so fucking grateful All that said, this week's guest is the founder of Fringish. They are a fat and non-binary yoga instructor. And they seek to empower others to take up space both on and off the mat. They are a force that is much needed in this world. And I am so grateful that they are in this space and that they are sharing their experiences and their message. And I feel so grateful that they trusted me with, with their story. So everybody, please give a incredibly warm welcome to today's guest, Shannon Kanashige. Well, welcome, Shannon. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. So I have been following your Instagram content for a bit and I fucking love it. Like it, it brings me so much joy. I love everything that you are putting out into the world and into the community. Um, so I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. First, um, it really means a lot to me because a lot of the work that I do just comes from personal experience and having lived the majority of my life in a fat body and not really having um, people, you know, I grew up in the nineties when heroin chic was in and I saw no one that looked like me. And for a long time, it, it really led me to believe that, you know, people that looked like me weren't active. People like, that looked like me didn't do A, B or C. Um, and so it really wasn't until I was much older that I had access to things like movement, being an outdoor person surprised me. I was like, wait, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, (laughs) But it turns out I love it. Uh, So really it's just about being present and being seen and allowing myself to be seen so that other people can allow themselves to be seen because that's how we make change. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that message because like that is what what I'm trying to do as well. And so I'm so excited to have another voice in this space. Because yeah, it's it is vitally important. You think like, my body doesn't look like that. I can't move that way. So like, it's not for me. 
Yeah. And that just holds us back. So um, I'm hoping you can share a little bit about like when you realize like, oh, I don't have to change. I can just do my thing. What was that moment like for you? It's funny because I remember several of those moments along the way, and it kind of depends on where I am in my life at this moment, which one seems most important. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I, I honestly think it mostly came down to just being tired of being angry, being tired of, of feeling alone, and slowly beginning to see other people who look like me and being like, you know what, like, if I can see beauty in them, and they look like me, then why can't I see it in myself? And it became a bit of a kind of mission to start to see myself the way that I saw other people, you know, to start to unpack all the stuff that told me that I couldn't, even though they could. And I think that that's like, still continuing and probably will be hopefully for the rest of my life. But uh, I mean, a lot of it when it came to movement came down to just trying things. Um, my partner was an avid hiker and I was like, oh, I'll go on a hike. Um, and then it was like, oh, this feels good. They mm -hmm. like, go, oh. oh, okay. I guess I can do this. And you know, my first hike, I made a summit and I was, it was a small summit, but it was a summit. Yeah. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. Um, and then on the way down, I had the like, kind of like <laughs> typical movement response of someone who has been denied movement for a long time of like crying and being angry and not knowing where it was coming from <clears throat> because I didn't really understand somatic release. I didn't understand how we can kind of hold a lot of stuff in our body. And that's really when it started to kind of unravel you know, this idea that like, I had this idea of who I was and it wasn't, it wasn't who I was. It was who I'd been told that I was. Um, and then from there, it just seems like every little thing after that was another kind of like affirmation that you don't have to do this. You, you can be who you are. You can figure that out. And so I, I also think that my son's um, cancer had a lot to do with it too, just because here I was with my little six month old child who had been diagnosed with a tumor. And I had a body that was working and I had been so cruel to it. And I would give anything to be able to, you know, trade places with him. And so it was just kind of like this moment of clarity, this moment of like, I have been angry at the wrong person this whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like kind of like all of those little, those little movements kind of culminated in a really big change. Yeah, that is truly amazing. And, you know, also terrifying. It's, um, and I can similarly relate. So my dad died, uh, it'll be two years in February. I'm sorry. Uh, he was he was 51 and he was diagnosed with cancer and it was um, mouth cancer mm. so he couldn't really eat and my dad was like a garbage white man foodie like, <laughs> 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 he was like loved pizza and like taco bell and like you taco know bell like, taco bell <laughs> don't even like i i love taco bell <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's like, those are my favorite tacos. And I'm like, dad, come on now, like upgrade a bit. But that's what he likes. You know, he liked burgers and he loved food. 
similarly i love food but i'm like my taste is a little elevated (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so he you know at the end of his life he could not eat what he wanted to eat Mm. and like you know he was having to eat just yogurt and things that he didn't really want and you know i even when he was having good days i'd say like what do you want and he'd look at me and go what i want is a pizza and i'm like i know so i feel like that changed my perspective of like well fuck it like we're all gonna die we don't know how we don't know when so i can either like deny myself of these experiences that bring me joy or i can just do the damn thing and be happy knowing that like my time on this earth is limited and it can look so many different ways so it's just such an empowering experience in a really grieving moment yeah and that way i think grief is it's kind of like a friend you know it it never completely goes away but it's very transformative and it it's just proof that that you loved someone that you loved something and and that way, like, yeah, it, it can totally recalibrate your life. Yeah. And for me, it definitely has. And I love the way you put that, that grief is like a friend. Because it doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. You know, we're, we have a, so many misconceptions about grief that it's a timeline and these are the steps you take. And it's more of like a big jumbled ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. Uh, but yeah, similarly, I like to think that like gratitude and grief are like two sides of the same coin, you know, um, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I go off on side tangents. <laughs> right there with you. ADHD here, so that is Me my too. <laughs> Um So how did you get started with your yoga practice? Well, I've kind of practiced yoga on and off since I was a kid. And, you know, it, it started with like watching um, PBS uh, Yoga with Lila. Um, I think Lila's on, on PBS when I was about six with my mom and, you know, it's something I would pick up and put down. And I always felt really encouraged with it because I've always been very flexible, no matter my size. So um, it was always something I came back to because I felt like I was good at it. Um, But even being good at it um, (laughs) with big, huge air quotes, um, you know, I still couldn't do everything that the people on my DVDs or in my books or my VHS, because I'm that old, (laughs) you know, did. And so I would get these, these periods where I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd get really frustrated because I couldn't do what I was seeing and I'd step away from it for weeks, months, years, um, and then come back to it. And so it really wasn't until I had my first in-person fat yoga instructor um, who actually was like, yeah, we, we, you can, you can do that. You can, you know, only fold halfway. You can, you know, taught me about props and blocks. Um, My friend Chanel Deer and, it was really empowering to be able to learn that I could trust my body because that ultimately was where I feel like the the big change for me happened is instead of looking to other people as experts of my body and this is what this pose should look like you know it became more about like oh I can decide how I should embody this posture and so in a long in a lot of ways, it gave me back agency. It gave me back a connection to my body. And so 
once that started, um, you know, I was just, I, I felt so amazing. And there, at the time, there, there are many more now, thankfully, but at the time there were very few fat yoga instructors. You know, you saw Diane Bondi, you saw Amber Carnes, um, and you were starting to see Justin and Stanley, and um, of course, Dina Falsetti. But, you know, there weren't a lot of people you could actually practice with in your space. Um, and so I decided that I should probably try teaching because I could be someone that helped other people have the experience that I had. And I thought that would be really amazing and powerful. And so that was the path I went down. Yeah, that is, that's so amazing. And I love that that has been your journey. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's been a really painful journey a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. most journeys that are worth having, I feel. It, yeah. Yes, yes. And so I love that you were able to find your power, you know, refine that. And, and that connection to your body, I think, is so important. And I think that's something that, like, I've learned to love about yoga is how you can adapt it and make it your own. Because I know a misconception that I had about yoga, it took me a long time to like get into yoga. I only got into it, I'd say, within like the past three years, maybe, because I was always like, it's too slow moving. Like, I, I can't like clear my mind. It feels uncomfortable. I'm not flexible. Like, those were all of like my barriers to entry. Mm. And then um, I started like organizing yoga events. And so I think that was when I went to my first like yoga class and I was like, oh shit, I really like this. I like the flowing movement. And even mm. when I don't flow, even when I fall, it, it, I don't know, it's just like such a powerful connection and like, oh, I fell because this is what happened. And so, yeah, I, I think that it did bring me a lot of agency as well. Um, but I'm wondering um, what other misconceptions around yoga have you experienced or like barriers to entry? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, going to my first class with Chanel, but before that, I had tried to walk into a yoga studio and literally was given this look like, are you waiting for someone? Did you walk into the wrong room? Like, why are you here? And I turned around and walked right back out because it was kind of a culmination of everything I feared about myself in yoga, that it really wasn't for me. And I think that we end up seeing that a lot within like, again, big air quotes, wellness industries that, you know, you, you have to already, you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to fit into some mold uh, before you're allowed in this space. I think when it comes to yoga, like there's, there are a lot of things that people tend to, to think are important. Um, some of which are being flexible, which is not important at all that you have to be strong, that you have to have good balance. You know, these things are all, you know, they're, they're as individual as we are. You know, you don't need to be able to lift your body weight. You don't have to do inversions. You don't have to stand on your head. I don't, I don't like inversions. They don't make me feel good. So I don't usually practice, you know, some of the more advanced, advanced, pick your quotes again, um, inversions. You know, I stick to downward dog and a few others that I enjoy you don't have to practice things that you don't like. You don't have to do what the teacher does. You know, if you walk into a yoga class and, you know, you, you realize 10 minutes in, you don't, you know, necessarily like Bikram style, 
but you want to stay in the room, you know, you can do whatever you want, you know? So these are all things that I think, you know, we tend to think of, of the teacher as an expert, but the only person who's an expert in your body is you. And so in that way, you always have the agency to do what feels good for you. And I wish that we would talk about that more within yoga. And also, I think the idea that yoga is simply like a movement modality. Um, you know, there's a long and very rich cultural history behind it. And, you know, within yoga, even through our asana, our movement practice, we're still practicing some basic tenets of the larger yoga philosophy, things like ahimsa or non-harm, things like satya or truth, you know, understanding the truth of ourselves in the moment, being kind to ourselves by not pushing ourselves in a way that's going to cause us or other people around us harm. You know, these are all elements of yoga. Yeah. I, I love what you said that we are the only experts in our body everybody needs to hear this <laughs> that, that I, I you know I'm pretty sure that comes from Diane Bondi in my head because um, <laughs> Diane talks about that all the time but I mean it's so it's so true um, you know especially I think as folks who are who are in fat bodies folks who are somehow marginalized we're always kind of told if not explicitly then implicitly that someone else knows what is best for us and it's really unempowering. It's really dehumanizing. Um, so be able to, to be able to make that connection and build that relationship back where you start to trust yourself, you start to trust your body, I think is probably one of the most punk ass liberating things that you can do. Um, and that way, like, it's, it's just, it's so powerful. It's like um, being enlightened and being liberated and like, it's it's a true like fuck you to like patriarchy and everything that people say we should be and we're we're just not you know nobody is yeah um you know it's it's anti-establishment in that way you know again especially for folks who you know are marginalized in some way you know i think that the other issue with with yoga is that in you know particularly in north america in europe it's seen as something for like rich cisgender white ladies um and it's not at all true you know um especially on a global level you know so it's about embracing the fact that difference is important different experiences discussing different experiences and really honoring our own experiences is really important yeah, that's that, that was actually going to be something that I was going to bring up next is like, in and of itself, a barrier to entry for a lot of people is that they don't see themselves reflected in the yoga instructor. And so we do get so many, you know, cis het white women who are are privileged to have access to, you know, a fair amount of finances. And that's not relatable, right? I don't want to hang out with that person. Like <laughs> they might yeah. be a very kind person, but I don't have anything in common with them. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes, it becomes problematic. And so I get so excited when I see movement instructors who are outside of that and who show up and say like, my body doesn't move that way. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I can't do the pose in a way that feels good for me. 
And so let me share that with you. And like, it's just so much more relatable and so much more real, I feel like. So, yeah. um, so first off, I want to thank you for being in this space because it's so yeah. important and you are truly empowering so many people. Um, I'm curious, what has, what has your kind of, how have people reacted to you when they see like, oh, we have a fat non-binary yoga instructor? What is typically the response? Um, well, I'm, I think I'm fairly lucky in that I often have people who are seeking me out or seeking someone who looks like me out. And having the space online that I have with live classes and recorded content, you know, means that, you know, people can search for fat yoga and, and you know, I'm there. When we were in, still in person, um, and I, I haven't been in person since the pandemic began. Um, you know, I did have some instances where I showed up at the studio <laughs> and, you know, the people sitting around were talking to me and I'm like, oh, and, you know, but they never, it never occurred to them that I would be the instructor, you know, while we were waiting for the class to be open. Um, and they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were the teacher. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. You know? Um, and so there's always a bit of surprise, um, especially when I talk to people who I meet like outside of social media and they're like, Oh, so what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm a yoga instructor. And they're like, no, what do you do? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm a yoga instructor. <laughs> they're like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Thank me, Thank you for making sure that I know exactly who you are. Um, you know, but, again, like, you know, we have these, these images of what it looks like, you know, and I guess in a way, like I'm, I'm glad to, to help kind of break that narrative, but you know, it, I, I'm not special. <laughs> there are a lot of us out there. Um, so it, it's, it's always, it's always interesting. I mean, it just, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I know recently you posted, uh, do they call it clapbacks? Is that what they are? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I fucking loved it because I'm sure, like, you you probably get a lot of a lot of hate, you know, a lot of negativity towards you just for existing in the body that you have, um, which is fucking bullshit. Like, I just want to, you know, say that. Like, I don't understand why people take the time out of their day to be cruel um, but I'm curious, how do you, how do you navigate that and not just be like, fuck everybody? <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because I was in the middle of writing a post about that today. Um, because the thing is like, yeah, I've been dealing with trolls my entire life. You know, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a late Gen Xer. I grew up before the internet and have lived most of my life online at the same time. And I should know better than to feed the trolls. <laughs> I really should. Uh, but, you know, it, it's still, it's hard. It's hard because not of where I am right now, but because there's still a part inside of me from when I was 13 that hurts because of all of this, because all the things that were said and all the ways that I was treated. And then I get angry because there are 13 year olds out there now hearing it. 
And I think about the amount of time I spent trying to make myself different to fit into some arbitrary idea of what it meant to be a good person because weight is very much tied into that. We tend to think of it as a moral issue and of course it's not. Um, and I think that's where like a lot of my anger comes from. That's where a lot of kind of like the occasional clap back, the occasional snarky post comes from because it's like, I just get tired of it. Uh, most of the time I really do try to remember that people who are hurt, hurt other people. And, you know, I've never met a happy troll. Um, and they probably are hurting much more than I am, but that still doesn't make it right. And it still makes them a fucking asshole. So it's like holding compassion and also acknowledging that you have boundaries and you have the right to uphold those boundaries. And social media is one of the few places where you can mute people. <laughs> you know, when somebody comes up to me on the street, which they do, and makes a comment about, you know, whatever, making animal, whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> As a super fat in this world, you get a lot of shit just for living your life. Um, and I still have a lot of privilege because I'm, you know, I'm, there are people who are much larger than me that deal with so much more. Um, and the thing is, I, I can't mute them. <laughs> I can tell them to fuck off and I can risk me having a physical altercation. I can walk away with my brain on fire, um, you know, but on social media, I can tell them to fuck off and I can block them. Um, and so sometimes that's what I do <laughs> uh, because that's one place where I can actually have very secure boundaries, you know, I, I can block people, I can get rid of stuff, I can preemptively block people who go after fat folks, which I have spent time doing. Um, you know, the best that I can do to protect myself and to protect the people who consider my page to be a relatively welcoming space. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I, I, I stoop to their level <laughs> because I'm mad. Um, and sometimes I just let it go. I think it really just comes down to what you have capacity for that day. And I notice when I clap back a lot, it's usually a sign that it's time for me to take a social media break <laughs> because it's getting to me. Um, so yeah, it, it's really just about saving your own mental health because you can't fix other people in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, First off, I fucking hate that for you. Like, I hate that you're just, <clears throat> it, it's so ridiculous. And I'm sure it gets so exhausting turning the other cheek. And it gets exhausting just trying to live your life. And <gasps> yeah, I mean, some, peop some people are just fucking yeah. assholes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's exhausting the amount of emotional labor because these people are still demanding emotional labor for you from you. Of course. Um, and it's also exhausting that that they never have to deal with the consequences of what they put out in the world. Yes. Everybody else does. Yes. Um, and again, like I wear a lot of privilege. You know, I'm white. You know, if people who uh, you know I, I might be non-binary, but I'm white. 
Um, you know, and people who sit at other marginalizations deal with so much more. And, you know, so it's like trying to, trying to balance what I can handle and still trying to, and I think it's really important for everybody to, you know, try to do some of that labor for other folks who are dealing with a lot more kind of intersecting identities. Um, because the only way that we can, we can make change is to make something easier for someone else. Right. Absolutely. In even a small way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I say this all the time, like rising tides lift all ships, you know, yes. Yes. we all have to like work together to create a safe space for everybody. Yes. It's, oh, it's so important. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation. It's me really too. joyful for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so something that I wanted to to touch on, if you're comfortable, is I know for a lot of, of fat folks, they'll get comments where they're like, oh, I just want you to be healthy and things of that nature. I imagine you probably get that. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that I think that some of them are quote unquote well-intentioned and very misguided. And also like you don't get to decide what healthy looks like. How, how do you navigate those kinds of comments where like the intent may not be outwardly malicious and also it's still fucking shitty. Yeah. And you know, I used to still rely a lot on like, well, you don't know if I'm healthy or not. And as I moved more into my kind of fat liberation space, it, it becomes more about, well, why do you have to be healthy to be worthy of respect? Yes. Like it's enough to be human. There are people for whom healthy is not in any way attainable. People who have chronic illnesses, you know, it, it's just, it's not going to happen for them. Are they somehow less worthy of respect, of life, of interaction? <clears throat> no. You know, and so I'm, I try not to rely on the idea that, you know, healthism is okay. Um, because it doesn't matter if I'm healthy or not. Like, I'm a human being. So it's, it's an unusual place for me to be because for a long time, I definitely kind of fell into the um, quote unquote good fatty trope. It was like, oh yeah, but I'm healthy and look, you know, like I'm, I work out all the time and it's like, none of that matters. Working out or not working out doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make you more worthy of love. It doesn't make you more worthy of space or concern or care. We are all people and we all deserve respect. You know, it's like you get respect. You have to earn disrespect. <laughs> you know, that's the way it should work. Um, so I, I usually just come back with, oh, why does it matter? Why does it matter if I'm healthy or not? And if it comes back to, well, you're making everybody's, you know, you're making everybody's health insurance go up. Then it's like, so really it comes down to money. So really my value is in how much money I can earn for you or how much money I can save. So you know, that's a very capitalist viewpoint to take, uh, you know, and, and bring it back to like what it is that they're actually concerned with. Mm -hmm. 
well, it's just not right by according to, you know, it's in, in the best way possible, trying to have people question their own assumptions. Because again, the only way we can change is to look at ourselves and to look at what we believe and why we believe it. So I think that's the only, the only ethical way to deal with it. So much of like respect for people is tied to how they look. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think about it from the sense of like people of color versus white people, like, which is, you know, still abundantly clear. And we can also look at the different areas of marginalization. And yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say like, oh, that fat person in McDonald's, like that's what made them fat and and all of this. And it's like, you don't know everybody's story. No, you don't. Yeah, I mean, I do my Fat Tuesday post every week where I videotape myself eating and it started because, you know, I realized how much time I had spent eating in secret because I was afraid that people would judge me or assume that like, oh, they're always eating. Um, And the amount of comments I get with like, well, this is why you're fat. And I'm like, you are seeing what I'm eating one for one, not even meal, a snack one day a week. And you're willing to make all these assumptions just Jay, you know, on my body size. Meanwhile, you know, there are, mukbang accounts with you know thin folks who eat copious amounts of food um and they're they're not shamed you know so it's not even really about that it's not about what i'm putting into my mouth it's about how can i feel morally superior to someone Mm -hmm. how can i make myself feel better and like the things that i do that make me miserable and unhappy um, you know, are actually making my life better, right. you know? Um, and, and then again, that's not about me. That's about them. And although I might get frustrated sometimes, it's, it's not, it's not on me to change that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's so important that people are seeing more bodies like yours, especially, I know you said like, one of the reasons you get upset is because like 13 year old kids are having to face the same kind of backlash that you are mm-hmm. for being in a bigger body or for looking differently than what someone thinks they should look like. And I just want to say, like, I remember one of the first posts that I saw of yours was a post where you moved your belly to like get into a pose and make it more comfortable for you. And I imagine that post was so empowering for so many people because I feel like for a lot of us, our belly is an area that we don't touch. We don't love, right? Our belly is something to be ashamed of. I mean, even for myself, I've, you know, I, I'm not immune from it. Like I, you know, looked at my belly and thought, oh, I wish this was slimmer or whatever. And so seeing you like lovingly like lift up your belly and position it i was like oh my gosh that is like the ultimate sign of being like i deserve to take up this fucking space i deserve to be comfortable and like it was so powerful for me and so i i mean and also i'm also you know privileged to be you know in a relatively like thin body 
And so I hope that people who are in larger bodies are able to look at your content and say like, fuck it. I belong. I belong. Like, I'm like getting chills because I'm just so grateful for you and your work. I mean, I certainly hope that that's experience. I mean, I think for a lot of us, we've been told our entire life that our body is wrong. And when that happens, we become disconnected from it. You know, we disassociate from it. Um, You know, when I realized I could just pick up and move my belly, it blew my mind because it was like, oh, I, I had almost forgotten that it was mine to move. It was just this thing that was in my way. Um, And so being able to like, not just move it, but like lovingly move it. Like acknowledge that like this is part of me and I can adjust to be comfortable was just so incredibly empowering and healing. And I just am, I'm I'm hopeful (laughs) that, you know, the more people see everyone do this, you know, because it's beneficial for people who are in straight sized bodies too, you know, to be able to move their body you know, to adjust, to, to pull aside, you know, their chest so that they can move their arm over. You know, we, we tend to think of these suddenly as like public domain after a while rather than a part of us. Right. Um, because they're commented on so often, you know. So I think that it's just incredibly healing in that way. So I do pole dancing and burlesque and awesome. um, I'm going through my instructor certification and... Ooh. Yeah, it's exciting. I love it. (laughs) Um, And I was trying to do a certain like position. I have a big chest. Like I've got tits. I don't know. It's just the way it is. I woke up one morning with a C cup and they just grew from there. (laughs) And so um, the the other people that I was in the, the class with, you know, had smaller chests. And that's not a read. It's just a fact of life. Like we all have different bodies. And so I couldn't get into the position the same way. Mm -hmm. And so the instructor came over to me and said, pull your boobs out of the way. And once I was able to do that, I was like, I'm so much more secure. And yeah, it would like never occurred to me to be like, take your tits, move them to the side. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing how we we lose that ownership over our own bodies. and I'm sure I, I, that was probably pretty empowering to be able to be like, yes. <laughs> it was. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, just like working with my body, I was able to find so much more strength and stability. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is, it's so liberating. And I'm so glad that you found that and that you're sharing that with others. Mm-hmm. Um, something that uh, I'm curious about is how can other movement instructors work to be more inclusive when it comes to size when it comes to abilities how can they work to like make their space more welcoming yeah that's huge um and it's super important you know i think that um remembering to empower people to take breaks to adjust movements and positions are really important and i think the other thing is just acknowledging that our bodies are different and that we all, it's going to look different for everyone. 
and that we don't have to go for deep. We don't have to go for hard. We can go for what our body feels like it needs in the moment. One of the things that I do frequently, I, I watch yoga with Adrian and I love that she's always saying, find what feels good. And like, if you don't like this, do this or do something completely different. Like having that power within yourself to say like, yeah, this doesn't feel good in my body. Like, I don't, I don't like this. Why am I forcing myself to do something that is not joyful for me? It's so empowering. And I think too, like offering, I mean, especially if you're teaching, demonstrating modifications and variations and being careful about your language. Like I personally love the term modification because for me, it brings up a lot of agency, but it's been weaponized against a lot of people. And so generally when I'm teaching public classes, I'll use terms like variation, options, um, because it, it's a less, um, you know, it causes less harm for folks. So being mindful of our language is something else that's really important. I personally feel that, you know, movement instructors of all types should be able to teach anyone who comes into the class, mm-hmm. but also remember that they're not going to have the lived experience sometimes. Um, so asking someone, you know, especially if like you're in an in-person class, you know, where you can, you know, quietly, <laughs> you know, be like, does this feel bad, you know, or, you know, coming up next to someone and offering a variation um, can be really, really helpful. Um, And not only that, but like just offering options to everyone, because just because someone looks like they might need a modification, they might not. And someone else, you know, might have a bad back and, you know, you're completely neglecting them. Um, So not making assumptions about what people are capable of but just offering options to everyone and allowing everyone to take what they need and leave what they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for pointing that out, um, that there are so many people living with certain conditions that you don't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are people who need to use a, a, a mobility assistant sometimes, you know, maybe they need a cane sometimes, maybe mm-hmm. they need a wheelchair sometimes. Like it's, it, it just, there's not, there's not a look to it. Exactly. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with just being in the yoga space. It's the same thing with, you know, what health is like, it doesn't, you can't look at somebody and know their story. You can't look mm-hmm. at somebody and say like, oh, you never, you never need to use a wheelchair. Oh, you've never overcome any kind of adversity. Like that's, and I think it's just so important that we open our minds up to curiosity and to asking the questions and saying, hey, what's been your experience, as opposed to passing a judgment and saying, like, you check all these boxes, this has been your life experience. So I have absolutely loved our time. And I know that we're coming up um, on the hour. um, And I've really, really enjoyed this. And I think that you're a voice that we need in this space. So I want to give you the opportunity to let us all know how we can follow and support you and your work. Well, thank you. I mean, first, just thank you so much. And I'm really grateful that you've given me this opportunity to talk and to have this conversation, which has been so much fun and that you hold this space for so many different people. So thank you for that. Yeah, so I offer um, live 
stream uh, classes. And I also have a video on demand library. Um, both of those, you can go to fringish, F-R-I-N-G-E-I-S-H.com uh, to have access to. I also have um, a lot of tutorials up on my Instagram at fringish, TikTok as well at fringish and on my YouTube page. Um, <laughs> lucky enough to get the name across everything. Uh, so yeah, and I'm always happy to answer questions, um, especially for other uh, fat folks in particular. You mentioned a few names um, of people you like to follow. Yes. Um, and I, I was really happy because I was like, I know some of these. Would you like to like shout them out real quick? Yes. So oh, there are so many people, um, but I, my, my friend Chanel Deer, um, who's Deer Yoga uh, underscore, um, they're an amazing fat black queer movement instructor, yoga instructor. Um, also my friend uh, Jill Galepsi, um, who is Room to Be Yoga, um, who is also a fat instructor who has awesome options, especially for things like uh, the things that I don't necessarily go into. So like inversions. And of course, we have Diane Bondi, who is an icon um, at Diane Bondi Official. Amber Carnes, again, um, an amazing instructor and wonderful person um, at Amber Carnes. And there's course, Justin and Stanley. And I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, there were just so many uh, folks, but um, and Dana Falsetti, um, who has full being yoga. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful to be able to be in community with so many people who have brought so much good into the world. And I'm just really, really grateful to have relationships with so many amazing people. And I feel like it's important to follow, you know, not just one creator, but as many <clears throat> as possible, because that is going to broaden your perspective. And then you're going to start to get recommendations for others who, yeah. you know, meet this kind of criteria. So thank yeah. you for taking the time to like shout those people out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's so many in the yoga world. And then beyond that, there's like Lauren Laval Fitness and, you know, just people who are doing great work in so many different modalities. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could go out for a really long time. So I, I, <laughs> I, I could as well. And I'm like, I know we both have things to do, but I just want to keep talking. Um, but thank you again for coming on. I, I so appreciate it. I so appreciate the work that you're doing. And yeah, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. And um, I can't, I can't wait to listen to more of the podcast because you are awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for listening to Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like more content from Empowered Authenticity, make sure to follow on Instagram at empowered underscore authenticity. We'll see you next week. Halloweencostumes.com is the largest online retailer of costumes in the world with over 10,000 costumes and awesome products you won't find anywhere else. You can count on Halloweencostumes.com to have costumes for all ages, body types, interests, and styles. 
even your four-legged bestie will find a costume worthy of the gram. That Halloween spirit of outgoing fun, unsettling mystery, and epic transformation doesn't have to be kept to just one time of the year. It can be part of our lives all year long. Whether it's dress-up, a costume party, or the theater, HalloweenCostumes.com has you covered. Click the link in this week's episode description and add more whimsy to your life with HalloweenCostumes.com. If you or someone you know is an angsty feminist like me, and they literally want to wear their feminism on their sleeve, then you have got to check out Feminist Trash Store. Feminist Trash is founded on the belief that intersectional feminism and sustainability go hand in hand. They specialize in size-inclusive unisex apparel with hand-lettered designs by artist and founder Joanna. Each t-shirt is printed with biodegradable water-based ink and carefully made to order to minimize waste and ethically reduce any environmental impact. Their eco-friendly and 100% vegan t-shirts are designed to embody the meaningful conversations feminists are having in pursuit of a more empathetic and inclusive future. They want people expressing themselves in the ways that feel most sincere to them, without the perpetual silencing of preconceived racial stereotypes, sexual rigidity, and body shaming. Feminist Trash is committed to increase visibility for intersectional feminism. They're leveraging the power of community and sustainable fashion practices to mobilize a growing platform of diverse voices of intersectional feminist artists and independent feminist media creators from around the world. At Feminist Trash, they are committed to feminism that centers intersectionality, mutual aid, and actively pushes back against patriarchal, white supremacist oppression. That's why they've created Mutual Aid Mondays, where every Monday their profits will be distributed to a different mutual aid or community organization that upholds feminist, anti-racist, and queer inclusionary foundations. They source products and fabrics from ethical brands and suppliers who comply to labor, environmental, and safety standards. Go to feministtrash.com and enter code Kelly Shopa, that's K-E-L-L-Y-S-H-O-P-P-A, at checkout to receive 20% off your order. And start wearing your feminism on your sleeve.